Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hub World Podcast. Um, we are here today with a very special episode, which I will introduce to you after introducing um, the players in today's game. So, um, as you may or may not know, my name is Jules. I'm Matteo. I'm Gino. I'm Giancarlo. I'm Joe. And today, as we have been telling you since our early days in the Hub World podcast, we will be doing a very, very big Pokemon episode. We are going to be tackling the big question of what is the best generation of Pokemon, although we have a little bit of a spin on how we're going to do that. Um, and of course, we had to invite our Pokemon experts, Giancarlo and Joe, to this event um, to help us determine the best and the worst of Pokemon. So thank you for joining us. I, I do very much appreciate the uh, Pokemon expert title, especially after my hot takes from the uh, previous uh, 35th anniversary episode that we had about Pokemon. Yep. 25th. And I appreciate, I appreciate being here as well. So you can give me a platform to uh, express my dislike of Jet 5. So thank you. <laughs> and, so so, it begins. Um, and so it begins. So just we to give... 64 was a bloodbath. Uh, yes, this could be very bloody as well. Um, so just to give the you an idea of what we're doing, um, we debated what we wanted to do here, but we ultimately decided we needed to do something that was possible and we determined that arguing what is the best pokemon gen was probably not possible when you have five voices of five very um passionate pokemon fans who all have very different opinions and are probably stuck in their opinions so rather than tell you what the best pokemon gen is as a whole we thought we'd break it down into some categories so we're going to tell you what we feel the best pokemon gen is in certain categories um and we're also going to tell you what we think the worst is in these same categories um and just based off of our discussion i'm sure you'll get a sense of what we each individually believe is the best gen in general and which we each believe is the worst gen in general and um, we will be quantifying what the best and the worst are we are going to have to come to some consensus and agree um on what the best and worst are in each of these categories but we won't be giving you the what the best pokemon gen is or what the worst pokemon gen is um because we might not agree although i think we can agree on the latter um but we will see so this may or may not be um a two-part episode we will um we'll see how things go um but just to give you a preview of what's going to be happening we're going to be debating four different categories today um which i'll tell you about in a second and Again, debating best and worst. Each person um, in the group will make their case. Very similar to our um, Console Essentials series. If you haven't already watched those, you should check them out. We just had our GBA one, which was uh, quite a good one. So um, very similarly, we will have a speaking order. We will present what we believe is the best or the worst in each category. And then we'll have a little bit of a discussion at the end to quantify and decide as a group which one we think we can agree on. Um, and sometimes that will be determined by votes. Sometimes that will be determined just by persuasion and other such things. So um, our four categories for this event are as follows. Region. So what that means for region is 
we're talking about the environments. We're talking about the towns. We're talking about the dungeons, the gyms, the map, anything to do with the locale of the actual region. Um, so we're thinking like level designs. We're thinking about like dungeon designs. We're thinking about those sorts of things. Um, the second category we will be breaking down is story. Now, story isn't just about the narrative. It's also about the characters. It's also about the lore. It's also about the dialogue and the villainous teams and anything that has to play a role in that that story aspect of those um, generations. The third category will be gameplay and mechanics. I think that one's fairly self-explanatory. It has to do with any new gameplay way like new gameplay additions in each generation or in some cases gameplay omissions and then the final one is pokemon which one had the best designs best starters best legendaries best type best variety all that stuff and those will be our four categories for today now before we begin there's just one other thing we need to explain which is how we're determining where certain games fit um so we are talking just mainline titles here we're not talking spin-offs you're not going to hear pokemon mystery dungeon you're not going to hear pokemon ranger or pokemon xd those things aren't coming into play um we are talking just about the core mainline games that being said we are considering remakes in this discussion although the remakes rather than being placed with the generation in which they were released. So, for example, instead of Heart Gold and Soul Silver um, being considered with Generation 4 when Diamond and Pearl were released, it will actually be considered with the region that it is tied to. So, for example, when we're talking about Generation 1, we are talking not only about Red, Blue, and Yellow, we're also talking about Fire Red and Leaf Green. And when we're talking about Generation 3, we're talking about all the Hoenn games. We're talking about Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, and Omega Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. The same goes for any games that had um, additional releases or expansions within the within that same region. So when we're talking Generation 5, we're talking about Black and White and Black 2 and White 2. And when we're talking about Generation 8, we're talking not only about Pokemon Sword and Shield, but also about the expansions with the Crown Tundra and the Isle of Armor. We're taking each area of the game, each locale, and we're taking it at its highest value to really debate which is the optimal generation. So just remember when we're talking generation four, even though technically Heart Gold and Soul Silver were released in generation four, we are only talking about Sinnoh games. And the same goes for every other generation. So just take it as by region. Okay. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Let's do this. Leroy. Yep. Okay, so as we said before, our very first category we're going to talk about is region. So this will talk about environments, landscapes, towns, dungeons, gyms, map, anything that goes into the physical design of the game and the generation. The actual map. Yeah, so we will start with the best. What do you think is the best region in terms of environments, towns, dungeons, gyms, maps, etc., and why? And I believe I'm supposed to kick this one off. So I think this one isn't tough for me in the slightest. And I do really feel like my favorite generation in terms of just like the environments has to be Sword and Shield. And I 
think that's going to be a bit controversial. I know there's jokes about the trees that look like they're from N64, and the wild area is a big, vast, open area, but especially considering the Crown Tundra and the Isle of Armor, I just really love the aesthetic in the world, the physical world of Generation 8. I really like that there's these giant stadiums in each town that like affect like the 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 towns around them like everybody's culture is built around like going to see these giant shows that are in these like prime towns um the way that they've created like this environment of like the kind of like major league like pokemon tournaments and the way it it like trickles down and affects the people in the town and i like how there's like very unique environments like i love the fairy town which is like inside of like like a forest and like it's like there's all this luminescent like light um and i love the like dark town where it's like kind of like almost like a slum and it's like really like edgy and like i i I just really like that vibe of the towns having these like environmental aspects to them and then as well the the like isle of armor and the crown tundra i just i i think they're really cool environments i think they have a lot to them and i think they added a lot to um the physical landscape of i can't even remember the region's name that's how bad i am i'm, I'm advocating galar. for it and i don't galar that's the one this is my I, think added... I can't remember what it's called um <laughs> i really yeah but galar just like it's really I like it. I honestly, like, I'm not afraid to say I like the wild area. I, a lot of people don't like it, how it's like a big, vast, open area, but I personally do like it, and I like how so much of the world connects to it, and how you can, like, look in the wild area and see everything around you, um, and they only made that better with the expansions, and I just, yeah, I just, like, I like the towns, and I know that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a 3D game, and there was more that they could do with with the physical like like design with the graphics but i i just really appreciated the way that they they built those towns and um that world and i really felt immersed in that world um more so than i have in other pokemon games and i i and i like the variety cuz i feel like past pokemon games have very much tried to stick to one kind of theme like when I think Gen Two is like all very like it's very Japanese in setting, which I can appreciate, but it it does feel like it's doing the same thing everywhere. Whereas I do feel like Galar tries to do, even though it's based off the UK, there's still like a lot of different aspects of the UK in there. Like there's like a steampunky kind of like town that's kind of based off the industrial age and then you also have the like very mystical like mythical kind of town with the fairy um area and you got like the 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 north ice area and like i i just i really liked it so that's mine for me my i think my heart is telling me to go with johto but the more i think about it and this goes for a, a lot of uh, generation four the more i think about it the more i really 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 like gen four and for me i think i have to go with Sinnoh as my favorite region just because well, actually for multiple reasons i love the fact that like mount coronet is like this focal point in the whole region it's supposed to be this tall mountain that you can see from everywhere around there the mountain also is like a divider of the region like whereas on one side, a lot of the 
uh, more like industrial or not industrial, like the, the, um, there's the cities, the bigger towns, the, like all of that's on one side of the mountain on the other mountain is a, it's like, it's a complete, it's like a completely different region on the other with the mines and the harbors and stuff like that. I love the idea of the, also like there's the, the lakes like within the Sino region as well that have their own history and stuff like that as well. Also with the Sino region that really I really like is that there isn't that one biome in the game that like doesn't belong because I know a lot of Pokemon games just have like a random desert or a random mountain or whatever that has snow and stuff like that that just feels out of place. There's nothing like that in the Sino region. All the biomes make sense for what would be around a big mountain. You have the obviously the snow peaked mountain, but then you have the valleys at the bottom of the mountain, the the areas around the water, you have your beach, you have a bog. Like there's stuff like that. Forest is the forest is in the south of the Sinnoh region, I believe. Like all the biomes make sense. It's pretty realistic. And then also I love the fact, and this was the and Gen 4 was actually the last game that I did this. It it continued the roots. The like starting with route one in Kanto and every game followed it, kept adding to the the number of routes in each in the region. Gen four was the last game that had the added like that kept adding to the route number and then it got rebooted by Gen five. So I just like that extra like in a way it's kind of history from the the rest of the Pokemon series before it. So yeah, like the towns, I love the like the, the whole lore and the history of the Sinnoh region as well, but we'll get to that potentially if I decide I want to pick that for story and stuff. But the, the history of the Sinnoh region is is rich and it's deep within the towns as well. And I think that was a really like like the spear, like all these iconic locations, honestly, like the Spear Pillar, Mount Coronet, uh, Jubilife City. Uh, like there's so many awesome places in Sinnoh and I just can't wait to re-experience them when the remakes come out later this year and also with Pokemon Legends next year. So yeah, Sinnoh region keeps growing on me every time I think about it. So, and also the battle frontier is in the Sinnoh region also. So I got to go with that. Uh, I'm Mateo. You, you kind of stole my thunder with this one. I was going to pick Sinnoh actually uh, also, <laughs> but I do want to expand on some things that you forgot to mention. Uh, you have that massive island in the north, after you beat the main game, you have this entirely new continent and area to explore. Um, after you beat the game, and that's where a lot of the like the non-Sino Pokemon can be found. Um, you also have the like the DLC kind of areas, like where uh, you can go to see Darkrai. Darkrai has his own island. If you have that in-game event, you can go see Shaman on a very specific place as well. Uh, and um, above the spear pillar you have where you can like climb this stairway into heaven and meet Arceus and stuff too. There's a lot of like hidden things that uh, not a lot of players were able to experience because they were behind like in-game events and stuff. You also had the underground, which is a really, really fun like location to go and explore, but it also has a gameplay tie-in too. So I guess I can talk about the underground later on if, if this is brought up. But Gen 4 was actually like in terms for like the region itself, I have to agree with Mateo. Like Mount Coronet itself was also a locale that you had to go to to evolve certain types of Pokemon and stuff as well. Like it's this massive monument in itself. It's a dungeon as well because it's a maze and you have to go back and forth through there, as well as like going to this like doing the spear pillar stuff. Like just to get there. Like it was like going into I equate it with like going into Victory Road 
almost because like yes victory roads its own separate thing but like you're going into this mountain and you have to explore it and you have to go through it and everything. I, uh, it was a great set piece. The lakes are great. The dungeons are really great because personally, I think uh, team galactic is probably one of the best teams too. And like the galactic HQ, you can go through the dungeons and everything. You can go and see all their research in, um, in those areas. The music and everything was, was great in the towns and everything too. Uh, it's just, Cannot explain it how much I enjoyed this game uh, and and its locales and stuff. Uh, Joe is immediately going to hate me when I give this answer, but I'm going to go with uh, Unova as my favorite for uh, region. Al although I will say that Sinnoh was definitely a close second just because of what Mateo was saying before about just how everything kind of connects and works for the region itself. Nothing feels out of place and everything works in the benefit of the lore of Sinnoh. What I like about Unova, however, is, in my opinion, it does that, although it does have, like, you know, one or two areas that are kind of just like, hey, why, why did they put that in the game? That doesn't really fit with the whole setting of it. But what I really like about Unova is that it does that, and it keeps with a core theme of United States industrialism and how everything is built around this land that probably wasn't supposed to be built around to begin with you know you have uh have some amazing landmarks like uh castalia city where the moment you walk in there's like this massive scale of this massive new york styled environment that i at this point people really haven't seen in a pokemon game at least to that scale because when you walk in there's so many things to do people are running through the streets in the little sprite animations, you can go into the little side streets to see some shady activity going on in the back background. It feels like a city that is very much alive and very much lived in. You also have the relic deserts and the relic castles, you know, like this massive, uh, massive desert kind of off into the corner of the environment where if you go around and you explore, you can see relics of an older uh, of an older existence popping out in the sand. You can find, you know, the pathways underground and, you know, uh, explore through there to find Volcarona inside of the Relic Castle. You know, a lot of, and a lot of, uh, in my opinion, it's a lot of decent atmospheric storytelling that is being told within the game of, you know, just kind of how everything came to be with this industrial-styled uh, Pokemon game. My, my main takeaway from that is I very much just like the amount of creativity and the amount of scale that Unova provides even with the gym leaders you know if you remember the very first gym leader that you end up uh, popping in it's a uh, it's a catering slash restaurant style uh, trio of gym leaders that fight you depending on the weakest type of the Pokemon that you got at the beginning of the game there's also uh, you know there's also the museum uh, Pokemon fight where you solve puzzles based on books and history that the uh, gym leader provides for you. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of cool. Everything's kind of a little bit hazy because I haven't picked up black and white in quite a while, but it's a lot of really interesting ideas that I have not seen in a Pokemon game in a, in a little while. And it feels very endearing, uh, in my opinion, just to see that level of uh, uniqueness in a Pokemon game. That's why the region is a uh, number one pick for me. Yeah, I'll keep mine short. But if I'd have to pick, I would probably pick Hoenn. Yes, Gen 3. And no, there's not enough water in Hoenn. 
there probably could have been more, but the amount that's there is fine. Uh, just for the fact that the map looks beautiful. When you look at it, it just looks like a natural environment. It doesn't look, you know, like heavily manufactured with buildings everywhere, like some of the newer gens. It just looks natural. You have cities like Fortree City, which literally is a treehouse city, which is extremely unique. Pacific Log City, or Pacific Log Town, sorry. That's literally a town that's just on the ocean with basically you're stepping on logs to go about places. You have Mount Chimney, which actually plays a pivotal role in the game. Either it's Team Magma trying to basically make the volcano active or Team Aqua trying to make it dormant based on Ruby Sapphire and Emerald. You have random things like you have a random abandoned ship that you could sail to. Like that's just small details that other Pokemon games I feel have lost. Like the sense of exploration, like that abandoned ship is just in the middle of basically a route. And if you happen to find it, you could actually go explore it. And there's even like little tidbits about how it looks like the SSM. My two favorite points on this is Sutopolis City. The fact that like you're in a city and knowing that you're right beside the uh, the cave where the legendary Pokemon is, you just know that it's there. I forget what it's actually called. Uh, the Cave of Origin. Knowing that you just, the Cave of Origin is just there. And there's like a gym there and just, I don't know, it's the feeling I remember of being a kid and just knowing that it was there was just always exciting. And my favorite thing about it, although it probably, it's not very uh, flashy or very fairly dramatic, is I love the Sky Pillar. I love just the fact that the Sky Pillar is just kind of in the middle of a random ocean. And you go there and you make your way up and you just see Rayquaza on the top. Like, I just felt that. It was so well designed, even though people think that there's too much water. No such thing. No, there is no such thing. And I don't know, just small things too. Like you had like caves, like where the Reggies were. It's just, oh, in my opinion, the region as a whole, I would have to go with Hoenn. Hoenn is beautiful. Every sense of the word. Okay. Well, I think at this point, then we can start to deliberate what we feel is the best region based off what we've kind of said because they're debating i can kick it off which is that honestly i said mine and the mateo and gino started talking about gen 4 and i was like damn yeah gen 4 has got some good good region landscapes and then john carlo started talking about gen 5 and i was like damn gen 5 is the one so i think i've already been convinced that my pick was not the right one um like oh gen 5 sounds like all those things you point out drunk Carlo, like the way that they like used like just like regular old things as their as their gyms like the gyms had like an another purpose they weren't just like gyms they were also like a landmark in the town yeah because like even if you go into like uh Black and white too, you know. I, I think that still goes by the rules, right? Because yeah, it, it is. It, yeah, it's like a, it's like a sequel to the game. But like, yep. they even remodeled the different types of gyms as well. You know, the museum gym is no longer there in uh, black and white too. It's now a punk rock concert where you get to fight the head singer of that punk a punk rock uh, band that's being played. And the uh, style of the music and everything is is inspired by what would be played during the concert and it, it just the creativity out of that and like the atmosphere that it gives you the moment that you walk in pokemon gyms like that and even with a lot of the locations in the cities it, it just makes you feel as if this place is actually lived in and all these people are doing all these different things 
yeah. which is something that as much as I, I love Diamond and Pearl, it, it's like the first Pokemon game that I actually got like really, really into. Definitely has that older style of Pokemon where it's just kind of like everybody's kind of just standing there and everybody's kind of off to the background and you have to go looking for the inter the in, intrinsic details of the locations that you're in. Whereas with Unova, you walk in and you can already get a landscape of like what's going on with this location, what's going on with that location, what's the whole point of this location, what's the whole yeah. point of these people. It it just atmospheric storytelling in a very well put format where I, I just I love Hoenn as well. Even when Joe was uh mentioning before, you know, the idea of exploration that Hoenn really gives you with all those little small side areas, as well as all these all these uh, bigger landscapes that reward a curious eye and an idea for exploration, you know, example with the ship thing that you mentioned earlier, you know, that's, that, that, that's really good design as well. But, you know, I, I personally like Unova based on the fact that it tells a story with the art style and with the environment of what Unova is. I, I like what you were saying about with like the, the like it was a like Unova itself is a very like industrial kind of looking place and there is one gripe that I have with it. Why is there a, why would they settle a massive city, the capital of the region, right next to a desert? Yeah, that's what I was mainly referring to when I was talking about like how yeah. I don't like and I, I kind of like, put a little bit of the, reference to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, like I know it's supposed to be based off of like the Isle of Manhattan and everything, and like in later gen, like in the sequel, they they knew that that desert was kind of like misplaced, and that's where they put the Wonder Street or whatever it was called, or Miracle Avenue or Miracle Street. I don't know. So you didn't have to go into the desert, and you'd have to like go off the beaten path to like get to the desert area and the relic areas again, right? So mm-hmm. it was just I found like it was it was just really out of place, and it it, it just like I don't I don't get it, and like. Like there was one cool thing, like for instance, the last town in the game, the uh, the Dragon Town. I can't remember exactly. Like it's the town with the Dragon Gym in it. It was either futuristic or based on the past, depending on which version of the game that you had. Um, trying... And also the the gym leader changed based on what game you had too. So it was like oh. this Dragon Temple, yeah, but like it was either set in like a futuristic city or in a like a a city like based off of the past and stuff. So it was like. I don't know, like, it, it was different depending on what version you got, and then you also had, like, Black City and White Forest as well. Yeah. That was, like, there are different locations. It wasn't the same map, so, like, which one's the canon one, right? Like, mm-hmm. I was just, it did leave a little bit of room for, like, ambiguity, which was which was nice and all, I guess, but, like, I, I, I don't know, I, I just feel like it was out of place. It did a really good job with the seasons, though. That was a really cool feature. Oh, yeah, that, that was, that was fantastic. Season stuff was yeah. cool. Especially with Pokemon that were gauged towards the season as well. Like, I think... Uh, like Deerling Sauce and Saucebuck. Yeah, Deerling and Saucebuck. Which, that was very interesting. And I'm a little bit upset that with the 3D games, they didn't try to explore upon that. Because they do have, like, different seasons and different weathers inside of the later games that they explore upon. But it just, you know... You know, is what it is kind of sort of yeah, situation. I I, I'm not too hell-bent about it, but it would have been a nice addition in some later yeah. games. But... Yeah, I, I realized that as 
I was also explaining, you know, with the desert and everything, as much as I love it, it, it definitely kind of feels out of place. It, it does a really good job of, of atmospheric storytelling. Don't get me wrong, but it very much yeah. feels like you've just walked in, walked out of the city and like, OK, here's Australian Outback. That's yeah. it. <laughs> it didn't really make a lot of sense for. But like the other areas are pretty cohesive, though. I will I will give it that. The yeah. bridges were nice, but like. I don't know that area. Just like I felt like they have a desert for the sake of having a desert. There was, no, a, lot of, see, there was a lot of stuff to do in that desert. I feel like every region has that, though. Yeah. Doesn't every region just have a random desert? The Hoenn kind of did, but it was also at the base of a volcano, so I can kind yeah, of understand. It's that. more ash. Yeah, to me, like Unova felt like the first. Like, and they, I feel like a lot of Pokemon games since Gen Five have done this. It just feels like they shoved every single biome you you could possibly have into that game, and yeah. they like and that like drives me crazy. Like that's why I really liked, and honestly, Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, and Sinnoh all are like they're not like that. They all have some sort of cohesiveness, and the other games just don't have that. It's just. It's just there's isn't that one area where like hey that doesn't belong, uh, that's why I I I'm more inclined to to vote for like one of the uh, the first four generations, Wait, so, which is incredibly fair because you know their regions as well are mm. very good. It, it, I'm I'm not saying this is a fact of like you know Unova is definitively my favorite and everything. Like mm. upon further thought, each of those four regions maybe not kento in my opinion but like Sinnoh, hoenn and Sinnoh, hoenn and uh johto they they have a lot of stuff going for it with their environments with their uh like level design and everything like that you know as you were sta stating before like Sinnoh does a really good job of just making everything fit together in like this one place even with like a lot of the mystic stuff like the three lakes for instance uh, like their positioning within the world really, really makes sense. Spear pillar, the mountain, everything like that. Everything kind of just fit. And there was an easy transition to all of these different locations as opposed to, you know, Yanova. I, I know. Transition. Yeah, the hard transition of everything, which the bridges do help alleviate that. But that that's also a gripe that you know, even though I don't find a problem with it because it's just kind of like, oh, this is a new environment for me to look into and to figure out and to look into the intrinsics of it. Uh, yeah. I can understand why people would have uh, problems with it because it kind of just breaks immersion from the Pokemon game because you kind of just have to stop and be like, wait, the, the city's back that way, like 20 feet away from me. Why is this just desert now? Um. But yeah, like, um, and like, we can deliberate this however we we want. Like, we can vote or we can just feel for like how we're feeling. But I feel I could teeter totter to Sinnoh a little bit, but I think that's where I stop. I can absolutely teeter totter to Sinnoh as well. Yeah. yeah. So same I, here. Okay, so are Sinnoh. we just going with Sinnoh? Yeah, we're yep. just gonna go with Sinnoh. I'm comfortable because that's the closest thing, in my opinion, to. Uh, yeah. A, a cohesive, Owens, yeah. you know, region yeah. as compared to the older games. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. There you have it, folks. The best 
region in terms of landscape level design is Sinnoh, Generation 4. Yep. Um, look forward to Pokemon Shining Pearl and Pokemon Brilliant Diamond coming this fall and Pokemon Legends Arceus coming in January. This was not a plug, it just happened. Um, yep. <laughs> Pokemon should pay you for that advertisement right there. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, 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 you made their you made their lazy names sound so much more, so much more enticing with that uh, yeah. with that adverb. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's growing on me now. Those lazy names. Um, now we get the honor of determining the worst region in terms of landscape and design. So same thing, I guess I'll start, and we'll go from there. Now there's only two that really scream in my mind when I think bad level design. Oh boy. Personally. I'm gonna say the one that I really want to say, despite the fact that I know it's probably not gonna be the one we all agree on. It definitely won't be the one we all agree on, but I just don't like Gen 3's level, like like environment. That's always been one of the big downsides for Gen 3 for me. Is like I almost like everything else about Gen 3. But the big one for me, like the big thing that I haven't liked has been the environments. Because I just, I do think, I like, I know it's a meme and I don't mean to say the meme, but there's just way too much water. Like, I am not interested in exploring a region where like half the game is spent diving underwater and where I'm surfing the entire time and everything is just these small generic islands. Like the only town that even pops out at me that I even remember is that one town where it's like everybody lives in trees and that's it. Everything else is uh, so generic. It has so a name. Like, it has a name. It's called Fort Tree. Okay. But anyway, like I, I don't, I've never found Gen 3 to be environmentally interesting to me. Like, I feel it's so bland, so generic. The only things I do like is I like... I do like the ruins. Like, I do like the sky pillar. And I do like like where you meet Kyogre and Groudon. And like, the Reggies and, like, things like that. But everything else, I'm pretty... Like, the gyms are bland. The towns are generic. There's way too much water. Way too much underwater stuff. Like, I'm just not interested in it environmentally. I mean, I also always feel like even just like the routes are like always weird because they're always like maneuvered around water. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I personally don't, I just think gen three is gen one or two's kind of landscape formula with just a crap ton of water routes. And that's how I've always viewed it. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not a fan my pick is basically what you said about the just most generic towns. I don't feel that way about Hoenn, but like, I feel like the shittier Hoenn is Alola, to be brutally honest with you. G- Alola to me is generic. It's bland. I can't even name a city in that game. Cause like there's the, like I don't like the fact that, all the islands, they feel like they're like the every island kind of feels like its own region to me, because like one island is a, mainly a volcano, one island's mainly a rainforest, one island like they're all like one's a canyon, like they all have different aesthetic, like they're different vibes to them, and 
they don't really mesh together well because there's no interconnectivity between them. It's not one conjoined world. You just go from when you're done at one island, you just go to another island and you forget about the last place you were at. The big cities are super generic, like I said. Uh, and I can't even criticize Alola's gyms because there weren't any. <laughs> I cannot, like, I just don't like the fact of the island trials and anything like that because to me, it doesn't necessarily reflect the characters like my like my journey through the game because like there is like I want to go to solve like I want to go solve puzzles in a gym uh, battle the gym leader get my badge uh, like I want all like that like to me that's just integral to the identity of Pokemon and it's just it feels like they took it out of Gen 7 just for the sake of changing things and I really didn't appreciate that very much in my opinion the world like Unova, for instance, Unova region, the the world was improved upon with Black 2 and White 2. And with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, I didn't really get that. I, I feel like it's, it was very stagnant. It was very much the same game, basically, just rehashed with newer Pokemon. Everything about Alola is just below average and mediocre in terms of region design. So I just... I just and I had a lot of anticipation for Generation 7, and it was just super disappointed, disappointing for me. The Brother Hive mind is continuing, because I also really don't like Alola. It was truly, <laughs> like, yes, it's, it's in Hawaii. You're going there for a vacation, and I say this a lot with our group of friends, that Alola was a vacation from the series. It's just a game that happens to take place in the world of Pokemon, and it's just a vacation from the series. The... Um, I don't know which level designer thought it was a great idea to put a snow-capped mountain right next to a desert. Like, completely next to each other. And then there's, like, a random ghost town at the base, like, in between these two things. It, yeah. It's just... It was just really lazy world-building. You have, like... Also, the, the man-made island right in the center of the region that just, like, oh, here's just a random tech place. You take that back. I'm sorry. The the whatever. Either is cool as shit. They were, they were just really shitty. I think that's what they're called. I don't remember. Yes, they yeah, it was the Aether Paradise. I believe it was called. Yeah, it was neither. It was no paradise. That's for sure. It was just one giant white building. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'll like, let you have your opinions. It's just the. The the island trial stuff didn't do anything for me. the The evil team really wasn't an evil team at the end. It was just hey, oh, listen, listen. We're getting into aspects that are outside of landscape. Agree. Yeah. It's just dungeons and gyms. I mentioned that there were no dun like the, the, well, the gyms. gyms you know, yeah. So that's yeah, the island trials. Yeah, the island trials don't count. Only like really, there actually no. There was one gym, and it was optional. The Cantonian gym where you get... It, it's basically the fighting guy from Gen 1 and he gives you the Hitmonchan but and the Hitmon League. Now, that was the only maybe gym. I'm, but now maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but isn't... Functionally, there aren't gyms, but, like, aesthetically, if we're just talking landscape, like, technically there are in a Yeah, but it's... Yeah, but the but thing is, even, though, if this is supposed yeah. to be an island... If it's supposed to be, like, in multiple islands forming a nation... Each one of those islands feels like they have way too many biomes and stuff going on on them that would act, it, it breaks your immersion because, like again, as I was saying, you have a this massive ice like you have Victory Road and 
this this snow-capped mountain with all the ice Pokemon right next to a desert biome that has like sandstorms and everything going around it. Like you wouldn't find that huge disparity on on an island that also has like a forest and all that other stuff on it, right? Like it, there's just too many environmental things going on at the same time. I feel like if each island was bigger, right? Or if it was one massive island nation with like maybe one or two small islands that have like, oh, okay, here's the desert. It's literally a desert island. Or here's the, um, here's a massive mountain that has all this other stuff on it, but you also have like a tundra area and a grassy plains. Like there was no transition it didn't really make a lot of sense no, nothing really connected in that game yeah and then you have this random yeah. like desert island that had the tree on it this mass like the only vegetation on it was like this massive tree and it was like the last place you go to right it 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 it, it boggled my mind it did not it did not make any sense in my head and then you can't even like with a it's a massive area right it's a massive island like you would expect to be able to surf from island to island and you can't even do that you have to go to like a boat and you have to like teleport to the different areas. Yeah. You can't even just hop on your Pokemon or and use surf or like the use the job Pokemon and like use their surfing. Like you can't even hop on the Sharpedo and swim over. Right? Yeah, because wouldn't that like, be cool if like there was like actually stuff to do in the middle of the in the middle of the ocean? Like they put stuff in there. But like the ultra wormhole stuff, like the worlds were weird. And it's just like they were all randomly generated and stuff, right? Like it just it I, I didn't like Alola. And um I don't wanna talk too long about how much I don't like Alola. Pick Alola, it's, it's okay. bad. Now you see, I, I would definitely pick Alola out of that situation because in my opinion everything is it it's just too busy of a of a world. Like there's way too much stuff going on and none of it really makes sense in my opinion. And uh, and you know, going back to your point even when we take away like the quote unquote aesthetics of not having gyms instead of having the dungeon challenges, the dungeon challenges themselves, they weren't, they weren't creative. They were, they, 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 it wasn't interesting. You went into a cave. Cool. You went into the forest. Cool. You went into the, this thing. Cool. Like I can distinctively cannot remember any unique or eye catching things inside of the dungeon challenges in the Alola region. That yeah. really made me. That really made me think. I can think about a lot of other stuff inside of the previous Pokemon games, and even though I really, really, really hate Sword and Shield, I can very much appreciate how the entire style of gyms and Pokemon battles are centered around how Europe views a lot of sports and how it's all this big, grandiose event where they have these massive stadiums that they perform in and it, it becomes more of a spectacle rather than rather than a niche sport that people play with the olola region it very much feels like they just took away gym gym battles for the sake of taking away gym battles and not really doing anything creative with that concept even though everything's going on all these things different things are going on and everything's kind of busy there's no nothing that really sticks out other than the scientific island in the middle of a in the middle of the four different larger islands of the region which it only sticks out because that's basically where the main story progresses through and you, even with like you know the ultra beasts and the different dimension and all that kind of stuff kind of just feels bland kind of feels just like oh yeah this is this is a weird space stuff at least how i see it it's just the not a, not a lot of cool things happen 
in the Alola region. Everything kind of just feels like a fever dream that you can barely remember. I like I like that, Chuck Carlo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true though. Yeah, I'm just gonna go quick. I just, I agree. It's it's definitely yeah. Uh, yeah. Dang, four for Alola. I'm only saying that because you know that holds a different special place in my heart. So I don't want to pick that for everything when I'm going to be actually picking it for everything later, but we can continue. But Yanova? Yeah, okay, so um. Alola was my second one, but before we crown it, I'd just like to go ahead and say I think that, like, I like Alola better than Hoenn because I do like the variety, and, like, I understand your guys' like, argument where you're like, it doesn't make any sense that there's like an ice, vulca- an ice volcano and a desert underneath it and then a ghost town and like fair. But it's also like, but we also live in a world where there's a fucking like animated key. Like, I, I don't think biome, like, I don't think it matters that it's hey, not buddy. realistic. So Jules, I, Kanto, Johto, Hoenn, and Sinnoh were pretty accurate representations of the areas of Japan that they were based on. And Kalos, sorry, Kalos and, and Unova kind of are as well. But Unova more than Kalos. And and even even Galar is as well. But Alola is nothing like Hawaii. Sure. Like, it isn't. And no. I think and I and that's why I like I can agree because they they missed the mark. The culture is like Hawaii. Absolutely, and they missed the mark on keeping the landscape feeling like it actually was Hawaii, because I think the big problem with Alola is, sure, they tell you, like, these are separate islands, but when you're on the islands, you don't feel like you're on an island, so fine, I can agree with that, but I still think I personally like Alola's landscape and design better than Hoenn, because while sure it doesn't make sense and sure it misses the mark of what it was trying to do at least when i'm playing through the game i'm not fucking bored because it's like oh another water route at least it's interesting to me so that's where i'm like i do like alola better than hoenn from a landscape perspective but i'm also willing to i'm i have to concede but i i'm just i just wanted to explain that is like i i understand the like being um, the being faithful to like the actual regions argument, but I don't play Pokemon to fucking travel the real world because the real world's a boring place, and I'd rather be in, a, in an extravagant place where I'm going through a bunch of different crazy areas. And maybe that's the Final Fantasy in me where I'm going through things that don't make sense. But I think Alola's le- like areas are like the least of its problems. That is actually very true. So anyway, um, okay, so we have now awarded the title of the worst region landscape environment-wise to Alola. We are going to move on to the next one. So the next one is story. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Um, so, so narrative, characters, so this, lore, and dialogue are all part of the story. Yeah, uh, villainous teams, like anything like that. So anything that has to do with story. So Joe, why don't you kick us off with what you think has the best story. Although I know the ending was, was cheesy, I, I kind of enjoyed Gen 6, so X and Y. I don't know. I, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the story, the dialogue. I thought there was like neat timbits throughout the story. I don't know if I'm probably going to be in the minority for this because I know uh, I understand that Gen 5 is seen as a very story-heavy generation, although 
I won't give my opinion here, but it's close because also Sword and Shield had a. I I thought the story was decent. Technically, Alola had a story, although it wasn't very cohesive in my opinion. In terms of, it just felt like everything ended per island, as you guys said. So, without going too in depth, just my initial instinct is to go with I would I would pick Gen Six. I I, I don't know. It, it just has like a fond memory of the story, even the although the ending was very cheesy. The ending is hella cheesy. Yeah. Um. So. I like. I don't disagree with you. I, I like the story of Gen Six is good, but I think like characters is is ultimately what wins this one for me, and so like I'm actually torn for this one. Um, and the reason I'm torn is because I'm for narrative and characters. I have one pick where I think that one's the best one, but when it comes to lore, I have a different pick. So that's the that's the tricky one. But ultimately, if I have to balance them and be like, which is better in terms of both, it is going to be Unova for me. Um, and here's why. Um, Character-wise, I think Unova has some of the most well-developed characters. Um, and that is part in part due to the fact that it has a two-story arc with Black and Black 2. Um, which helps develop some of the characters over the course of multiple games, which no other Pokemon game has. But even if you just take black and white, like the first game, there's still some really well-developed characters. Um, I really like this idea of this idea of like liberation, like the idea that like Pokemon are slaves to humanity. And then N is this like mysterious figure who's like able to communicate with Pokemon and he's like manipulated by Getsis into believing that they need to liberate Pokemon. And like, he's like this, this tragic figure who's like clearly being manipulated and Getsis has alternative like motives and goals. So I'm, yeah, I'm just like, I really feel like I really like the narrative and the characters in that game. I also like how like, the gym leaders have relevance beyond when you fight them Mm. because not a lot of games have that. Not a lot of games have like relevance with the the gym leaders after the fact. And I like that they pop up later and they're like, like the final battle against like um, team plasma um, in ends castle where all the gym leaders show up um, and they're helping you battle them. And it's like this big, like climactic event. It felt so like cinematic. Um, and I like the idea that this happens like while you're at the Elite Four. Like you're at the Elite Four and then like Anne attacks like while you're there. Like it's disrupted. He disrupts the formula. And like that narratively, I just think it's so well done. And the characters are so well done. And even like extending onto Black and White 2 when Getsis returns and like he's like completely unhinged and he no longer has his pawn. And so he starts to do things that are just like really really unethical and he's like he almost murders you and i love that and now in terms of lore i also really like the lore of unova i like the idea of the dragon that once existed that was um like one complete being that was so powerful that they had to split it into two different beings and then there was like the body was left behind and it was kyurem um so, like, I, I don't know, I just, I really, it's not the best lore in the Pokemon series, I do think there's better lore, but I think the lore itself is strong, and it is interesting, and it adds that, like, classical, like, mythical 
element of Unoma and Unova while also being padded out with like really well developed characters and a pretty interesting plot as far as Pokemon goes, as well as keeping like most of the major characters in the mix. Of course, like the rival isn't great in Gen 5. I don't even remember the professor's name and like some some key characters from other games that had more relevance aren't as big in Gen 5, but I do think Gen 5 has does everything else very well. And even in like Black and White 2 introducing Cole Rest and but yeah, I I think Gen 5 is very easily has the best story characters and it's up there with lore, so that's mine. Yeah, I I basically do not like I'm going to like I don't want to reiterate everything Jules said, but I agree for the most part. Uh I think the best lore in my opinion is from either Hoenn or Sinnoh, but uh just like I don't play Pokemon games to to like I go into the games expecting to have just like an average story because for me I get the value my the value I get out of Pokemon is from everything else basically. If a game has a really good story and really good narrative, then that's just a bonus. And I would just remember being blown away by the scope and the epicness of Gen 5 story. So for that alone, I have to vote for it. Like that's my like I would say it's my favorite story, uh, and I think Team Plasma is probably my favorite villain team as well. Uh, and I feel like basically every villain team since doesn't even come close to them. Like this, the villain teams that have come before are iconic, whereas Team Plasma I think isn't as iconic in terms of like designs and stuff like that. But their motivations and their like their plan is truly, like, next level compared to, like, in terms of... I think they were the of... closest to actually winning, too. Yeah. No, Cyrus was pretty close to winning, wasn't he? Mm, almost. From Galactic, right? Yeah, Galactic was the set one that got almost there, and but I think Plasma, like, almost did it, too, because they were actually able to, like, begin hatching their plan, and they would have won if N didn't flip-flop, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. But, yeah, just, like... Gen 5 was such a surprise, so I I have to go with that. I don't know. I really liked what Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire did with the Gen 3 story. Like, for instance, like Ruby and Sapphire didn't really have a lot of, like, interplay between the two teams. But once the, the remakes came around, right, then we can finally see, okay, if whatever version you got, just say you got Ruby, right? It was then um, the evil team was uh, the were the magmas, right? But the aquas were there as kind of like, like, hey, we're here to like combat you guys. And then it turns out that like Reggie, uh, sorry, who are them? Archie and who's the other guy? Maxi and Maxi. Turns out like they're friends, and they just had differing worldviews. So they made these two teams: one about the land, one about the water. And then like it, it really built upon everything. And even going back to that sense of adventure, right? Like you'd be out on the open sea, you see, you see the boat there, but then there's also weird things happening there. And then the, um, the, um, you get to explore the old, um, the, like the, the underground city that was built. What was the, um, what was the, the, the city that looked like it was in a mall in the center of Hoenn? Uh, oh, geez. Um, uh, Watson was the, is the city. city? Like, Mawile yeah, City, and, and you have old Mawile City. Yeah, and yeah. there's also the old Mawile uh, City there. You get a little bit of lore tidbits and like how what uh, what's it the electric the electric guys of Watson, right? 
yep. how he's involved. And then um, you have May and stuff following around. There's like the, the love interest between the protagonist and then the alternate protagonist as well. So if you pick the girl, the boy would be your rival. But there was also like kind of like a budding young love kind of thing going on there. And like for the whole thing with the Delta episode was you're just trying to go on a date. And then all the Delta episode stuff happened. I have to say Hoenn is probably my favorite for, like, narrative. And then you also see, like, when you go do the, like, the Battle Frontier stuff, Looker's there. And then you have um, any, I don't know. It was just, I really enjoyed it and, like, what they did. Like, expanding the lore of Pokemon, and, like, like when they had, and they're, and they're talking about it at the, um, they're, ta- they're talking about it at the spaceport, right? And, like... It, I think Omega Rupee Alpha Sapphire finally like put on like I can't remember exactly like, I was watching a lore video on it from like YouTube or something and they were saying how basically each game cartridge of Pokemon is its own separate universe and you have the different versions of it like there's like it's like a multiverse within multiverses right like everything in Gens one two and three were their own thing then Gen four or five happened on their own accord and then gen 6 when they introduced megas and stuff that broke the timeline and and mother shenanigans and stuff and like omega ruby alpha sapphire like put all of that in place again with the teams like the banter back and forth that didn't exist beforehand i thought it was great uh everybody pretty much said what i was gonna say about unova uh which i i do think is a is definitely a top contender however i do want to i do want to give like some kind of honorable mention because even though Yanova does like even even though Gen 5 does like quite a quite a lot with storytelling as everybody said it's a very story heavy entry of the series uh but what i think it it, it lacks in certain areas is certain types of character development which really stand out in Gen 4 for instance Cynthia i don't think there's ever been a region champion that follows you through through the entire game to watch your own progression and to Doesn't give Steven you... do that does he to a certain I thought extent. so to a certain extent not as much as Cynthia but yeah, yeah. even like Leon even in like Leon and Gen 8 does that a bit too but yeah, definitely but... not like Cynthia yeah where it's like it she's interchangeable with like the progression of the story of Gen 4 which mm-hmm. you know when this is probably my own nostalgia talking for the most part. But when I, I, I first met her after getting like, you know, after going to the lake and everything and seeing her observing, I, I thought that was like, I, it was so mysterious seeing a character that looked so distinct from anybody else so early inside of the game. Cause that was, again, that's the first Pokemon game that I actually got like really interested in. So I'm looking at like this blonde haired, chick in uh in black clothing on the other side of the lake and i'm just kind of like oh, what's going on there and then to just to see her in all these different strong events through the entirety of the story and also giving me as the main me as you know the main pokemon trainer as the main protagonist a very uh like a a, a very strong sense of motivation to like keep going and keep digging into like this growing uh, development of you know like the legendaries of like team a uh, team galactic and everything like that it it felt very it felt very enticing it gave me motivation to actually go through the game and to learn more about the story as well and i i 
I do want to give mention as well to Team Galactic because even though the grunts are very goofy, like most of the uh, most of the earlier, uh, most of the earlier teams, because like Rocket and Rocket, Magma, and Aqua, the grunts and the majority of the commanders and everything were very goofy, but. A uh, galactic, they kind of changed everything up. Whereas when you actually came across like people of a higher authority and everything, they gave that intimidating presence of like you are nothing compared to us. Especially with Cyrus, he was probably the f- probably one of the only Pokemon leaders that legitimately felt intimidated. Uh, team leaders that felt intimidating to me, and that's a that's a very strong emotional storytelling i i I, I should say is like when you have a character that can have that foreboding atmosphere about him and have it work especially in a light-hearted game such as pokemon you know it's a it's very strong it's it's a very important factor when it comes to the topic at hand you know with story and with characters and with the development of the world gen 4 does a really good job with uh, a character character narrative and stories based on the character. Uh, I think another mention is Barry as well. He's legitimately an interesting rival to have, which I, I know Hoenn, you know, you have May and everything, which, you know, really good, really good rival. But uh, with Barry specifically, it feels as if like there's a legitimate story around him. It it doesn't feel like oh yeah this is just my counterpart for the entire game and I'm just gonna have to fight him in int- in increments like I did with like you know Oak Sun or all that kind of stuff it, it legitimately felt like he was progressing through this like a different journey that was also kind of intertwining with yours it never really because it never really felt as if like it was a burden to have to deal with a, a Pokemon fight with him as, as I usually feel whenever I uh, would play, you know, through, uh, through Ruby and Sapphire and through uh, fire red and leaf green, you know, having to deal with like the surprise encounters and everything. It legitimately felt interesting to see Barry coming in and then just, you know, having this Pokemon fight and then learning a little bit more about like what he's doing. Uh, throughout the world and then having him fight alongside me well you know when stuff go- goes sideways as well as much as i do agree that yanova should get the uh pick for story i think team uh, i think uh i think sino should also get a honorable mention out of that because they, they do a very good job it's definitely a strong building block for character development inside the series i'm still of the mind that i think Gen 5 was still such a breath of fresh air in terms of just like it, that story was it was that story had no business being as good as it was in a Pokemon game. So for me, like I, I still got to keep it at Gen 5. Like that's the only time like I think where the Pokemon series is they they intended to de- make it like have a departure from a norm, like a typical trope of the series. And it worked. It's very rare that that happens. Um, and they nailed it with the story in this game in Gen 5. So 
I don't disagree. I, I agree with you. I'm like, I, I appreciate everybody, what everybody else said, but I do think the flaws are, I, I, I do think there's bigger flaws with every, all the other gens stories. Like I, as much as I can appreciate gen three, trying to explain things, I personally hate contrived over connections. Like I hate the Zelda timeline for doing that. And I, despise that gen 3 tried to like come up with a reason why there's all these different like discrepancies rather than just leaving it um Mm -hmm. because i think it's just overcomplicated. and then like same thing like gen 6 like i definitely like the story of gen 6 but like um i don't even think the ending is cringy i think what makes gen 6 weak is its characters like i think that the the rivals like the group of rivals they all suck like (laughs) because they're just like they, instead of making one big good rival they're like let's make four like boring ones um, <laughs> they're just there like the, they don't have substance really any substance towards them in gen 6 yeah. so I do I'm think, of the like, belief honestly like I feel like Barry was really the last good rival in Pokemon because how sucked <laughs> and I don't even remember the rival who was the rival in gen 8 like uh, that would be Hop, oh, Leon's Hop. brother. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think Hop was fine. Hop was decent. Hop was fine. He was Hop, decent, Hop, but like, hey, I still Hop was a better How? Don't you dare talk shit about How. How is the most amazing no. concept for a rival ever? Pokemon Company is genius. Eat. He just wants to eat. No, Pokemon Company is genius. They make the they make the character the rival is so polar opposite of what the rival should be. They're so optimistic and like Sora or like Ash esque, where they're like so optimistic and like go get them. Like I'm going to take on the Pokemon world. That us grown ass people who have become cynical hate them so much that all we do is shit on them, and it turns out that we are now Gary. We're the rival. How, how is the main character of Alola? We are the rival. Holy shit. Dang. <laughs> Holy shit, that's... <laughs> it's kind of true, because like that, that, uh, that trend sends into Hop as well in the Sword and Shield series as well, because like he starts off as optimistic, and then <laughs> like through the entirety of the story, you end up just kind of like really shitting on him. As well, and then you know the moment Who's that he's rival in Gen Five. By uh, the way, I, I don't even remember. There were two. I remember there was there two. It was Cherin and Bianca. And Bianca. Bianca yeah. uh, yes, I remember them. Yeah, yeah they were. They were. Yeah. They're black, two, white, yeah. two. They they took different roles. Yeah, yeah, they became like gym leaders. I did like that. Um, yeah. Another point for very strong storytelling narratives from Yanova for the number one pick right there. Yeah. Predecessing games, uh, predecessing games, characters in there that you, your rivals that you fought alongside with, they're now gym leaders, which makes entire sense inside of the plot of the series. I'll yeah. shut up about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I, like, I wait, wait. I like to think that the reason why they're gym leaders is because there are such shitty rivals that the Pokemon company <laughs> didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, it, it, they tried to be Bianca elite. Be- Bianca became like an assistant to one of the, the to assistant to the professor. Professor Juniper had to actually yeah. be a Pokemon trainer. Let's talk like deliberation. Like obviously, a bunch of us agree with Gen Five, but um, Joe, is there? 
Do you have any final fights? I know how you feel about Gen 5. Gen 5 is the stupidest plot in the history of all <laughs> Pokemon games. I put Pokemon Channel's plot of having to watch a TV ahead of Gen 5's plot. I'll play Pokemon Channel for a story game over playing Gen 5. I'm sorry. The, the storyline of N thinking that Pokemon should all be set free and him being like uh, a villain that's not a villain because you like him, because you like his idea, what he stands for as an activist. It's just so stupid. Like, just get that out of my Pokemon game. I, I will not agree with Gen 5. Period. Like, you, you can put the Hard World Agrees Gen 5 with an asterisk except for Joe. I'm okay with that. And that's why I presented a different view with uh, with with Gen 3's Hoenn. Mm-hmm. And like I kind of understand like the whole thing with Joe also like okay this is an entire world built upon like okay you have Pokemon you have all these things okay like the idea of like the evil team want to liberate Pokemon no because they use Pokemon in Pokeballs to to like it doesn't I, make sense I don't mind that, the thought process that's of the liberating thing. Pokemon no, but, but the that's fact the team but that's the thing Gino is that's the point of the story it doesn't make sense because n actually wants to free pokemon and gets is just like let's let's use this person that a bunch of people think is a prophet because he has these mythical powers it's like if somebody was manipulating jesus right it's like n is n is performing like miracles he can talk to pokemon so people believe in him they think he's a prophet so gets us manipulates him into his own ends and he's fully aware like they don't they enslave the pokemon he's like not even like they they are a contradiction because there isn't really like the villainous team doesn't there's there's like a subset of people who believe in and but then there's a bunch of them who are just like on Getz's side and are just like we're gonna manipulate this kid and and by the end and actually comes to the conclusion which is no like i was wrong like pokemon aren't being enslaved like pokemon are actually um they're forming bonds and it took him having to like connect with um Reshiram or Kyram to realize that like that trainers actually do form bonds with their their trainers and he had never experienced that because Getsis like literally kidnapped him as a child and raised him to believe that he should never ever ever form a bond with a pokemon as a way to like manipulate him into to being this like figure, this like messiah that he can control the like very skeptical and very like um almost like religious people of Unova. Like I think it's brilliant. I think it's like it, it has so many layers. Uh, I'll end with this all would have been solved because I know N was raised by Pokemon. It would have been nice if he was raised by a Drifloom because then we wouldn't have had Gen 5. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Getsis maybe was a drift blind. I, I that was pretty good, though. Yeah, <laughs> but you can put the asterisks because I think you guys have all come to a consensus, so that's fine. I'm not. I'm not here to argue the point to change people's minds because that's difficult for things like this. And I understand that the story is the only high point of Gen Five that most people see, but. I respect it. I respect everyone's opinion. Okay. Well, well now we're on to the worst. Um, so Unova Gen Five is the best story. So what is Asterix. the best worst story? Asterix. story. Asterix best story. Well, then we got to say Asterix. Uh, 
worst environment for Alola. Um, but anyway, worst story um, in the Pokemon series. Joe, have you already explained your worst story? Yeah. That's my question. Yep. Yeah, but I will kind of give an honorable mention still to Sun and Moon. It was weak. I only played on it, for being honest. I spammed the A button. I did not care about the story. I just played for the fact that I felt nostalgic for Pokemon. Actually, I played the game twice without even listening to a lot of the story aspects of the game, just because I wanted to catch them. But um, going back and actually looking at it more, like I-, I would put Sun and Moon probably still... I would put it actually below uh, black and white, below you know that. So technically, okay. my worst would be Sudden Moon. Okay. Well, what I'm going to say is, if we were just talking narrative, like narrative story, it would not be Alola for me. Because in terms of just narrative, Alola's narrative isn't actually that bad. It's not great, but it's a hell of a lot better than nothing. Like, Gen- honestly, Gen 2 is the worst one if we just talk narrative, because there is no narrative. Um, but that being said, what we're are you not talking just talking about. There's a narrative. There is no narrative in Gen 2. The, yeah. the villainous team doesn't even have a figurehead. There's very little story in Gen 1 and Gen 2. But I digress. We're not talking about story as just the narrative. We're talking about story as like characters. We're talking about lore. Um, and that's where, like, Gen 2's lore is awesome. Like, it's so awesome. And the characters in Gen 1, like, like all that stuff, even though there's not, like, a cohesive real narrative in Gen 1, like, there is characters that, like, are awesome and really exciting and engaging. Whereas Gen 7, I think the problem with Gen 7 is that there's too much story. I don't want to be catching my first Pokemon an hour and a half into the game because I had to watch Lily and how ha- and how talk. Yeah. To tell you everything about what was going on in the narrative. And it's like there was a good story in Sun and Moon and it wasn't it they just didn't do it. And like the lore is not good either. The lore of the, the I don't think the lore of Alola is very interesting. I don't think the lore of the Ultra Beasts is very interesting. I think it's kind of stupid. I think just like with what I was complaining about with Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire about them like over connecting, I think like Alola does a lot of that as well, especially in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And then they backpedal too. I, I don't know if you guys have played Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but like at least in Sun and Moon, Lucimine was like nuts. Like she went crazy. She became obsessed with the Ultra Beasts, and so like she became this inc- like this interesting character. But in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, they changed it. They were like, no, yep. she was actually just yeah. trying to stop Necrozma the whole time. And I'm like, that's such a backpedal because she was actually it interesting when sense. she was insane. Yeah, she and was. Then, and like, mind you, I love Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon's Rainbow Rocket post-game stuff because it's interesting seeing all of the the um, villainous leaders work together and how consistent they actually kept their characterization. As much as I liked it, what I disliked about it was, again, with I like the over, the hurdles they had to jump through to make it happen. Like there was an easy way to have Rainbow Rock. There was an easy way to have Team Rainbow Rocket, which was they just all teamed up. But instead, they had to do something 
fucking cross universal. Like I don't care. Take take this this CW flash bullshit out of my Pokemon games. Like I don't need a headache when I'm trying to figure out why all the Pokemon evil leaders are together. You can just say they're all evil people and they all teamed up. I don't need to know that they all came from different multiverses. Like please keep that out of my Pokemon. Like it's just too much. Like you took you said exactly what I was gonna say. And I was going to say, particularly, I thought Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon has the worst story in a Pokemon game because of how they 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 backpedaled on Lusamine's characterization. And I thought she was by far the like the most interesting character in, in Sun and Moon. And then they just ruined it. That's basically one of the only changes they had to that game. And basically, like, I basically bought that game... Now, thinking about it, like, I bought that game just to get the extra Pokemon for my Pokedex. Like, that game literally is sitting on my shelf. I'm never going to play it again. I got what I got out of it, and I never want to experience it again. And that's, I don't have that opinion with any generation of Pokemon other than Generation 7. And I, for the exact same reasons I said about just the region design, just Generation 7 to me is just the... It's so generic, it's so bland, it's so boring. Like, there was something there that they could have made a good story on, and they didn't. They just, it was a swing and a miss. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think, I, I just, yeah, the Ultra Beast stuff too is just like, I'll get that into the Ultra Beast stuff when we talk about Pokemon, but like, that's a negative for me as well. It's just, uh, just it, there's too many things just to criticize Gen uh, about on Gen Seven. So Gen Seven is my least favorite, particularly Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. Um, I could take the easy route and say Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, but I can, um, I will say something, um, here that's a little bit different. I I do like a little. I I do understand Jules' reservations with the uh, the first two generations of Pokemon personally. I want to say just because of the lack of like the uh, of the hardware and everything, right? I will actually say Pokemon Red and Blue probably the worst on my part. Um, after Gen Seven, I will say I I want to I just want to bring another thing to the table here. The only real story that you get in Gen One is the Mewtwo stuff at Cinnabar Island. Really, that's it. You're just going from place to place. You're going to go on this Pokemon journey. You're going to collect them all and be the very best, like no one ever was. Like you're you're playing as the you're playing as the character Red. You're going from town to town. There's not really anything happening. Oh, Team Rocket is here, just being dastardly, just chopping up slowpoke tails. No, that's Gen two. That's Gen two. Like, Gen two is when they like is when like the story is. Hey, Team Rockets come back. They're looking for their leader, and you have to like. And it's also part of your job to stop them. Like, that's the story. Team Rocket's come back, and now we have to do whatever. Like, when you first buy Pokemon, the whole thing is, gotta catch them all. Like, that's that's the story of the game. You're a kid, and you're putting together this Pokedex, for, like, you're just playing the game, and that's what you do. There's no real story unless you're, like, watching it through the other media. I will say Gen 1 and 2. Uh, sorry, I will say Gen 1. Like, uh, Red and Blue has the worst story. I mean, I, I would say much of the same. I'm a little bit torn on this, because... I, my hatred towards Gen 7 comes with how, like, how much of kind of what Jules was saying. Like, there's way too much in terms of the story. Like, you have to go through so many bits of dialogue through the entire game when all you want to do is just play the damn game. 
and most of the story that's most of the expedition that's being shot out of you is stuff that's not really relevant and once it does get interesting even with the sequels of the game it feels like most of the stuff that they the most of the interesting stuff that happened out of uh sun and moon ended up being retconned i'm gonna move over to sword and shield and say i very much dislike it because of how surface level a lot of the story actually is for the first i think hour and a half out of the game i I pretty much knew how the story was all going to be played out the moment that you meet the chairman the moment that you meet hop the moment that you meet you know his his brother that's the champion and everything you have all the story kind of laid out for you that the chairman is the bad guy you and hop are two people that are very special that can gigantamax pokemon and everything and that's relevant towards the story with the two dogs that you find inside of the uh inside of the forest that you can't attack because of course because they're legendary and very high level your attacks kind of go through them it it, it kind of just felt watered down and i would excuse that if the environments and the rest of the world were kind of interesting and while there are notice, noticeable points, as I mentioned before, with the uh, region-specific uh, stuff, the high inspiration towards European, towards like the European style of how sport is and how they basically like treat it like a religion with all the big stadiums and the big uproars and treating them as if they're huge events, I very much like that aspect of it. What I don't like are the characters and the gym leaders that are attributed towards that. I can't remember a single time that I was engaged with what a gym leader was going through at a specific time, aside from the fairy type gym leader, only because I only because I legitimately got mad that I answered a question that she asked for uh, the final gym battle uh, completely wrong and she dropped my stats. The rival... They uh, hop is a decent rival. He's not, not the worst person. He has a little bit of development. I hate BD a whole lot. I, I feel like his presence inside of the story is kind of just like, it, it doesn't really have any purpose to be there. You don't like mama Marnie. <laughs> that that's, that's for personal gripes. But yeah, like in terms of how the story is, even when I'm, con- even when I consider the, uh, the expansions out of that, it like, uh, Isle of Armor definitely expanded upon that, but it expanded upon like the world itself, and I that's why I didn't ripe on it for on region aspect of it because you know there there's the, is great, yeah, yeah, like it's like like the expansion is is great in terms of like the environments for it because it it improves upon what I disliked about the wild area in the base game, which is why I can't gripe on it. Cause like it legitimately feels like a bi like multiple biomes connected in a very cohesive way that have their own distinctive style towards them. But getting back onto the story narrative and everything, I could, I could, I played through Isle of armor twice. I cannot tell you what happens other in that game, other than you're training a cub food to just get, stronger for the sake of getting stronger yeah that that's it and you know there's the whole story about how you uh for crown tundra you know uh i thought that one was very well done crown tundra was was uh i i think it redeemed uh sword and shield for me a little bit because it added a, a lot of stuff that i i liked gameplay wise out of it but 
in terms of the story, I, I kind of dislike it. Everything kind of just felt predictable, which is why I was stating that it's surface level. I, I felt like I could just look at this one thing and be like, yeah, this is the entire story. And 95% of the time that would end up being the case. None of the characters, in my opinion, really stood out until the DLC games uh, came out. I wouldn't even count uh, uh, Isle of Armor out of that. I'd only count Crown Tundra for interesting characters popping up. Uh, and it, if it has to take two expansions for you to make interesting characters for me at that point, I'm, I'm just like very, I would be very irritated about like the, the, the game that I have purchased, even, even considering the gym leaders of the base game as well. I, I never felt engaged at one point. I remember feeling legitimately torn when I got to the, uh, dragon type gym leader because, uh, I, I can't remember his name. It was like the Instagram. It was like the Instagram idol oh, guy that that, yeah. could, that, that uh, his whole character arc was taking selfies and thinking he was the best that no one ever was. Um, and, and, you know, like the environment that he was in was very, very interesting because, you know, ha- you have that like castle in the main square and everything. And it, it's for the half part of the game. It's just like, oh, I'm going to have to go in there and fight the dragon type gym leader. I wonder what that's going to be. When you enter in there, there's no challenge. You're just fighting. You, you're just in a room. There's three trainers. One by one, those trainers go and fight you. And then you fight the gym leader. That, that To me, that I felt completely robbed out of what would have been an interesting char- character arc. Because it seemed like he was a very idolized character within the story, but then they just, they're just like, now nah, we're not going to roll with any of that. We're just going to cheap out. So I, everybody said what they said about sun and moon. I completely agree with that uh, as well. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll definitely side towards that, but you know, in, in, in my heart of hearts, it's a, it's a clear split between sun and moon and sword and shield when it comes to story. So then are we naming Alola? The worst story? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, then, just to remind folks where we're at, as of now, we have named the best region as Sinnoh, Gen 4, the worst region as Alola, Gen 7, the best story the best story as unova gen 5 and the worst story as once again alola gen 7 um now we know we've kept you for quite a while so we are going to be making this one a two-parter um so from all of us here at the hub world we hope that you've enjoyed the first half of our um pokemon generational showdown here Um, We will return with the second part of this episode next time where we will break down the remaining aspects of the game, the exciting ones, the gameplay and the Pokemon themselves. Um, Once again, thank you for listening. Um, If you want to weigh in on the discussion, please comment, um, like and subscribe unless you're a Geno fan. Um, Follow, listen to us on Spotify, all those doodads, all the rest. Um, And from all of us at the Hub World, we will see you next time. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.